You're listening to episode 247 with Nyasha. She started her social entrepreneurial journey doing good with only an 800 English pound redundancy package and abundant passion for children. She's the founder of one of the world's largest independent child homes and fostering agencies that help put troubled kids in the right kinds of homes while putting an emphasis on psychotherapy for treatment and healing. Nyasha faced her own struggles, like discrimination in her journey, but determination and passion saw her build an unbelievably successful social empire. She runs her own charity. She's the author of a book called Walk With Me and is starting a hundred million venture fund to help empower women across Africa. I am so unbelievably excited. I got to meet Nyasha in Toronto. We talked for a bit and I had to get her on the podcast. While you're listening to this, if anything sticks out to you as super interesting, take a screenshot and put it up on your Instagram story, your Twitter, your LinkedIn, text it to a friend, get the word out there. And without further ado, episode 247 with Nyasha. So Nyasha, the first question that I always ask my guests to start is how do you spend your time here on planet Earth? Oh, that's a very grand (laughs) question. I think I spend my time on the planet Earth trying to make a difference. Uh, And my passion is always about children, trying to make a difference. I get up every morning and ask myself, what can I do today to make a difference on child life? Uh, and be it to do with my social enterprise, be to do with my charity. And now I'm setting up this fund. All the my projects and what I do in everyday life, the ultimate benefactor is a child. Hmm. Hmm. So, Nayesha, I you know, I got the absolute honor to speak alongside you in Toronto. And I was very touched by uh, the talk that you gave with the event host. And, you know, I think you really just motivated everybody in that room to think bigger and do bigger. And I think that there's only a very limited people in the world that can do that. But I think you're actually increasing that number of people just by what you're doing and the way that you're communicating at events online. Uh, you've got a book, you're soon coming out with uh, a podcast, mm-hmm. you're coming out with this um, venture fund. And I want to get into a lot into that. But mm-hmm. Nasha, like if you were to sort of, um, you know, look at your life as a movie, mm-hmm. what would like the first couple of scenes sort of be in your origin story, whether it was anything important in your childhood or it was a moment when you were growing up and you decided to actually become the person who you are today. But are there any sort of like foundational uh, story moments that created you to who you are today? I th- I, I think it's, it goes back to the age when I was four. 
um, you would definitely mm. would find me carrying a baby on my back. And it just had such mm. an impact on me uh, of what I do today. And uh, as I went along, my parents were teachers. And one other thing which my father always mm. said, he, he was very impacted by men flying to the moon. And um, mm. and he always said to us, oh, if a man can go to the moon, so can you. There's absolutely nothing what's going to mm. ever stop. So they were very inspiring. And I used to think, God, what a responsibility for my, my father trusts me enough <laughs> to fly to the moon. <laughs> and he was so convinced of it. So I, and I, I think that is really, um, and he always made a, a point of saying it and always encouraging us as children. He was always very encouraging, empowering as a parent and the same with my, my mother. So I, I'm not really surprised that I do what I do today because mm. of that background. And uh, I was uh, uh, very privileged that my my parents take taught in a, on a um, rural school, and all the com- there was quite a community. All the people came to church, and they would leave me with their babies or babysit, and that's where my passion really started from. And then when I moved to England, I started babysitting for my chemistry teacher, and she paid me four pounds. And I said, God, you actually get for doing this. <laughs> I thought it was really weird. <laughs> that was really weird. And, uh, um, but in my path, I think I got distracted uh, from my original path. Mm. I was going to become an academic. I was going to do a PhD. And I started doing a PhD. I did it for a year. And it was my tutor who said, Nyasha, you just light up when you talk about children. I was doing some voluntary work with some uh, young people and uh, and also I, I'd become a mother he said every time you talk about the children you're working with your daughter you just light up why don't you become a social worker and I said wow what a strange thing <laughs> <laughs> and um, I've never seen him again I, he gave me the telephone numbers of um, two colleges one of them to do social work and one of them is to be a child psychotherapist and I went for the child psychotherapist and that was it I've never looked back I was back in touch with my purpose mm. my passion I've never met him again that was the end of my mm. PhD wow wow that's so fascinating especially that your tutor told you to do that wow <laughs> yeah instead of doing this chemistry why don't you just do something which you you just shine and mm. you just feel so passionately about. And I didn't even, when I was talking to him, I would go there doing my experiment. And and I, I didn't even realize that he was listening to my stories, <laughs> whatever was going on that day. And it was quite surprised at the end of the year, he mm. came up with that. He just picked on something I'd already been saying. I'd, mm. You know, he just never used to comment on it. And I used to, oh God, what a book. He must think I'm quite boring to be talking about all this stuff. <laughs> Um, but anyway, um, it's quite significant yeah, that she did that's that. That's really beautiful. So, um, Nayashi, so you grew up in Zimbabwe and, you know, you talked about your father always telling you, 
um, you know, to, to always sort of like aim higher, achieve more. And then you, you know, you said that, you know, you were sort of, you know, you, you were sort of afraid of that responsibility. I'm curious, like, what does that word to you mean responsibility? Mm. And was there a time later in your life where you actually took responsibility for something or even your own life, if that makes sense? Oh, yeah, I definitely took responsibility of my own life. My parents went back to Zimbabwe and left me when I was doing my A-levels before university. So I had to look after myself. All of a sudden, I was brought up in the family with um, seven of us. I never lived by myself. And I was going to get that experience anyway by going to university. But I actually came to university and my parents left UK. So I, I definitely, I had to find, quickly get myself a Saturday job like anyone else was doing. I had to look after myself. And um, so I, I, I quickly grew, grew up. Um, and, uh, and then um, a few years later, at the end of my degree, I became a mother. So I had to look after another, another human being besides myself. Mm. Um, and a vulnerable human being, being having a baby, and um, I, but I I felt um, the meanwhile um, you know my because of my background I, I think my parents were mm. very political and um, really and as well as community workers being teachers uh, in Zimbabwe there was this sense of responsibility that they they wanted to. Um, write the social justice at the time. So I was very involved in um, women's empowering movement. I, I belonged to the Women's Centre. I ran a, uh, I did voluntary work with women um, and their mental health mm. and uh, in the UK. So I was always looking at how I could contribute to the... Com- it, it was beyond just my, my, my family my extended family even. So, um, you know, current things, nuclear weapons were in, in England and I remember going to uh, Greenham Common and demonstrating there. I was demonstrating in South Africa Embassy. This was my student days. So there was always uh, an issue about trying to do right uh, so in terms of society for me uh, or to work with those less vulnerable than uh, less privileged than I was. Because another, another thing, my parents always made a point of telling us every day that we were very privileged and we must look after those who are less privileged than mm. we are. Mm. So there was always a sense of responsibility. Yes. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, I think that's, uh, that's very beautiful. My, um, my parents definitely have, have done the same thing to me. And, you know, Nash, I'm curious. So when you were taking, you know, when you were on your own and, um, and you were were taking responsibility for your life, you know, for somebody that's, that's listening to this podcast right now, and they may be young, they may be just becoming sort of a young adult. And they're in this phase right now where, their level of consciousness has been raised and they're starting to understand who they are. And, you know, for those of you guys that are listening that don't know, Mm. responsibility, you know, is the, you know, key 
you know, of taking your own life without taking responsibility for your own life, not much is going to get done. And so I'm curious, Nayasha, if you have any sort of advice or, you know, what you would say to somebody if, you know, you were maybe even talking to the younger version of yourself in the midst of that phase of taking responsibility. Uh, The advice I I would say is that it's got Mm -hmm. to really come within yourself. Um, You know, despite the messages, you know, parents, society or pressures you might come across, at the end of the day, you've got to take responsibility from within yourself. It's not something you can force somebody. uh, And it's got to be driven by... um, by something be, something beyond yourself, something bigger than yourself, like your purpose, something you feel passionately about, mm-hmm. something you're supposed to um, fight and d- defend. Um, and I, I normally call that your big why. Mm. You've got to really defend and uh, what what is your big why? Why are you on this planet Earth? And once you know that, uh, then you take you take responsibility. Without knowing what your purpose is all about, it's very, it's, uh, it's sort of like um, right. aimless, really. You're sort of drifting. So, I, and sometimes also, uh, when I'm feeling I'm being distracted and being, it's a natural thing. You can get distracted. You can get, but come coming back, I always come back to the, what is my my big why, and that's my my motivator. When there's challenges. When you're feeling low, you go back to your motivation. Why am I? Because I do ask the why. Why do I have to mm. put up with this? It's so difficult. And then I then I go back again. I remind myself, I'm. I, it's difficult because this is what mm. I want to do. Having that very clear vision, which doesn't get um, um, clouded by the current <laughs> thoughts or current wave or what is the latest trend you've got to remain focused mm. and um that's that what i would uh, that really gave me responsibility and what that meant because i mm. was clear what my mm. my purpose was i was clear what my what my big why was mm. Mm. and with, with with being with that clarity comes mm. with responsibility wow. i i love the way that you uh worded that and you know, Nayasha, I, I cannot tell you how many times, whether it's online or I'm at an event and and uh, and somebody asks me, generally speaking, they're younger, and they ask me, how do I find my why? How do I know what my mm. purpose is? Do you? What would you say to them? Do you have any thoughts on, mm. you know, mm. if somebody is aimless? Um, I always get asked. Yeah, I always get asked this, mm. and I cover it in my book. And uh, um, and I always say that you need to think about. From uh, for me, I, when I'm asked, I always think about my first memory carrying a baby on my back. Think mm. about things you liked when you were a child. Um, think about um, what what you know. Just you just just enjoyed, and it, there was no when you're a child. There's no the sense of responsibility or pressure. Uh, it could be skipping, it could be cars, it could be dancing, it could be it could be anything which you just liked as a child, and see how that um, whether that still um, is the driver for you today. 
because we all get distracted and we all get into this, uh, oh God, I've got to follow a career and actually forget things which interested us. So, and they always say, oh, I, when I was a child, I was so interested in this and I haven't even thought about it. I might be the first person who's asked them a question. And also things like, if you go to the cinema, uh, what kind mm. of film makes you cry? What was the storyline? What made you cry? What made you laugh? Uh, all these kind of emotions about how did you feel about that film? What was it? And then you find that there's a common theme mm. in the storyline. And uh, um, just keep on really looking at that. Why did it make me cry? Why did I laugh so much? I never stopped. I went home with my jaws aching because I laughed so much. What was wow. it about it? And um, that's what um, I normally do in people who are asking me the question about, I have got no idea where to start. I couldn't begin to tell you what my purpose is, what my big why is. And they really find those kind of exercise or thinking back on things they liked when they're children or they filmed. And they'll be there immediately. They'll tell you immediately, oh, I watched that film and God, I've never cried it so much. And it took me a lot of days to get over it. And, and oh, yeah, that touched on that. And it's it's a very quick. I said, you don't need, you need, don't need to overthink it. You just, mm. just trust your gut feeling, what comes up in your mind. And that normally is lies. Behind all that lies what uh, you feel very strongly about. Yeah, I think that... Um, what goes what uh, what moves you emotionally uh behind it mm. lies your true mm. purpose uh, and for me wow. it's children and so if i look at things which makes moves me which upsets me uh which makes me laugh it's all to do with children mm. so what is it about children mm. uh what um how can I uh, inf- impact or transform children's lives? Because that's my purpose. My purpose in, li- in life is to make things better mm. for children. Because it's, it's all, as I said, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I always find the core, the sweet pot is, is the kids. So mm. as I said, someone else could be something else. It could be... Um, they feel very strongly about wells or they want to save the animals or the environment and there's something which touches touches them about the vulnerability of the environment mm. uh or someone might say oh, there's so much food being wasted uh something it's just so many different things which moves people and some of it is actually to do with childhood messages we heard from the society, mm. and at the time you didn't think any of it, but you sort of got lodged in in your sense of being. It's, it's in there. And for me, it's about emotion, and I always talk about my gut reaction. And I go with, if my gut reaction is telling me not to go with it, it uh, if it doesn't feel right. And... Um, mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, because it's such it's coming from an emotional point of mm. view, um, it's normally 
is a very, a very big driver and a big motiv- motivator. I I love that so much, and I've I've never heard take somebody out to a movie and see which one they cry in. But I uh, I'm definitely gonna have to borrow from that too, and I I think that's so powerful. And you know, Naisha, I'm I'm really curious. So when you look at your story and you look at your uh, upbringing in, in Zimbabwe, and you definitely, um, you know, you, you had your fair share of struggles. Um, and then, you know, you also had, you know, amazing parents. And, you know, I think that's life, right? We're, we're born into a lot of great situations. And there's also sometimes some negative aspects about that. Um, I'm curious. When you look back at your early life and you see the environment and the situation, the sort of humble beginnings that you grew up in, do you think that is why you're able to now be successful and create success for other people, not like at that beginning state of not being successful? Mm, I definitely definitely think that that is always... um, uh, your background uh, is uh, makes you who you are and makes you more determined mm. um not necessarily to get out of it but to add value and i had different opportunities to my mm. my, my parents grew up born and brought up in Hello? in zimbabwe i was born in zimbabwe but I, they moved me to uk and uh, where you come from it really makes you who you become in terms of um I, I mean, my my parents were not um uh wealthy but they were very successful according to the generation in that they were teachers so i was uh, and they enabled me uh to and opened up by coming to uk for example i had opportunities they never had so i had to go up another level there was this sense of mm. uh, duty that you have to go up up a level, go to university, do a PhD. My parents never, they went to university, but they never did a PhD. And um, they were very entre- enterprising, uh, but not on the level. So for me, it was about you have to go up a level and, um, and uh, I, I always say, that your background should not make who you become. Um, is a lot of people think, oh, I come from a very poor background. There's no way I could, I could um, enrich my life. It's you know I'm always gonna be poor, kind of thing. And I definitely think that you can work your way out of that situation, and uh, it doesn't make who you who you end up being. Um, but I think that I was um, my my background was um, very much full of um, healthy relationships and love and encouragement. I was, you know, ambles and ambles of encouragement um, from my society, from my parents, from my extended family. They always encouraged me. It doesn't matter what idea I came up with. They never told me you cannot do that because you're a girl. And because you you're from Zimbabwe, <laughs> uh, where some families do that, they say, "Oh, we don't do things like that in this family." Um, so, and people stop uh, following their dreams because it's just not a thing which is done in that family. 
uh, girls don't do this and girls don't do that. So um, I feel very lucky that I didn't have a, a family like that. You know, my question to you is, you know, you had great parents. What are some other values or some other, you know, main objectives that you want to teach or you want to pass on to somebody else that you meet in your path, whether they're in your family or they may be somebody that you are training? I think um, the, the main values for me is, um, uh, funny enough, it's humility um, uh, and um, wanting to be treated um, uh, as you would like to treat other people. Um, and um, uh, the, the, the aim, main aim for me is to become non, you know, it's a functioning at a different, non-judgmental. It's a very important um, um, value to me in that um, it's, it's, when, when you make a judgment, you become inflexible. Uh, and uh, and and sometimes it it comes from not our values but from our beliefs. We just believe whatever whatever the belief is, and so you become inflexible because you've got to. I believe in this, so there can't be anything else. It doesn't give you other options. So uh, non-judgment is a big one for me, um, and um, we're remaining open to ideas. Um, keep um. The other thing is what I love is I I'm just just love learning. I'm a perpetual learning, and I believe that the day I die, mm. I, I I definitely think that 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 it's it's possible, and I mean it's almost like a cliche that if I can do it, anyone can do it. But I genuinely feel that, and um, from from the passion. And purpose, and sometimes it's to do with something personal. Yourself, you were abused or something, and you want to work with abused children. It's coming from a personal experience which touches your heart. So I will always say they need to, with like any business, they need to do the research. Just because it happened to you or you feel strongly about it, is there demand for it? Is it needed? There's no point providing a service or a product which nobody wants. And um, it might be something you might want, but uh, you need to have the masses. It's got to be big. In, they've got to be big enough demand for it to be sustainable. Uh, you've got to have the market there. And so the normal issue, like when I was starting my business, I visited other. When I was starting my first business, I visited other children's home instead of visiting two or three i went over the top i visited 40 so you can you can over research things but i i think you need to have your evidence that this is needed and that it's gonna make an impact not to one or two people but a huge impact and um the other thing which we tend to do when we're starting we always think smaller oh i only want to do a little bit or i just want to replace my job my day job uh, and some causes are beyond us. You got, uh, and that's that's to do with fear. People are just scared to think beyond something bigger. That this thing is is be is bigger than one individual. Um, 
So I would definitely would look at that. And uh, I always, 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 one of the major things I found in my journey was that I always sought for support. And um, you can't, you need somebody to bounce off ideas. Uh, it doesn't matter who, who that person is going to be. It can be your mother. It could be a friend. You can just scream and say, I've had a bad day in, in the office today or I can't seem to be, I feel stagnant. I can't seem to shift anything. I feel so passionate. Someone you can talk to um, who's objective, who's not involved in, some a lay person, someone who doesn't even know anything about business, you can just talk to. And you always get some very, very interesting insights uh, from lay people. They don't have to be expert in your in your subject or in your cause. Um, yes, uh, seek support. Clar- do your research and make sure that there's a need. You've got to prove, you've got to solve, for me, you've got to solve a social issue, problem. Uh, uh, it's needed by more than 10 people <laughs> and it's a, uh, it's a global problem. Uh, when you start looking at it, uh, uh, you find out that it's a global problem. Um, that's what you, you and um, so you, you're doing your bit to make that huge impact and transform people's lives or whatever it is you want to do. So, uh, yeah, look at it from a business point of view and um, what I call the foundations needs to be there. Uh, you know, Nayesha, I, I really loved what you said. Uh, my mentor, Naveen Jain has this great quote and it's humility is the true sign of success. And I can't agree more. I think being, you know, uh, you know, being humble is so, so, so important. And I loved what you said about, you know, uh, judgment means you are inflexible and you've got to be open-minded and always be a learner. I absolutely love that. And I, I would pass on those uh, as well. Nasha, I'm wondering if you can take us to a time where, um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you felt a lot of struggle in your life. Maybe it was a time where you felt troubled or you felt stuck, whether it was in your own personal life or in your business and how that situation went about if you have a, a, a bad time. I think um, my most difficult uh, struggle at the time was when I started my first business was um, this issue about being understood uh, about what I was trying to do Mm. because social enterprise was not really a term which even existed at that time. It's only recently that it has Mm. um, come about. But that's what I knew I was different. I was doing business in a different way. Uh, but I did not know what my identity was. So it was very difficult for me to articulate it to the mm. financial institutions like uh, opening a bank account uh, to do a business. They said it's mm. not a business, it's a charity, it's not done by an individual. So that, that really, really, I really struggled with that to find, um, or to be taken seriously, and that I was trying to make a difference, and um, and not to be confused with the with being a charity. I, I'd you know done a lot of volunteer work with the charity com, 
um, organizations I set up. I was a founder member of quite a few charities. Um, but this I said this is not a charity. Uh, but I think it's got easier as um, time has gone by. It's now, you know, people, if I tell a person that I'm a social entrepreneur, um, people uh, seem to have an understanding of who I, what I do. Uh, it's no longer strange. It's, what is that or whatever. There's still a lot of um, training and learning to be done uh, to uh, the public and uh, financial institutions. But it's not as difficult as it was 34 years ago when I started my journey. Really was not. Uh, it's much, much easier. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And, you know, Nayasha, I found it really interesting. And I'm wondering if you could explain it a little bit more just so, you know, we are aware and um, the audience knows you know, what this is, but I'm wondering if you could explain a little bit about your uh, venture fund that you're planning on launching in Africa. Oh, yeah, this is a um, very interesting project I, I've been working with for the last few years, and um, I've just appointed a fund manager. Um, and uh, so it's a, it's a, a Women Economic Empowerment Social Investment Fund, and we're trying to raise a uh, hundred million to uh, US dollars to um, fund women entrepreneurs. And it came about mm. my own experience of having uh, no access to funding as a businesswoman in UK. And I've grown my business organically. I've never had a bank loan. I've never had an overdraft facility. They wouldn't give me an overdraft facility. So I just thought, uh, I want to go back to Africa, and what can I bring? And I thought, um, what did I find the most difficult in my own experience of doing business in, Af in, in the UK? And I had, you know, a house, collateral, you name it. Within a year, I was running a multi-million pound business, um, but I still didn't mm. have access to money. And uh, so that was really important. Then I've looked at other institutions who've given money to Africa, something like uh, like that. And there's, there's not been one which is specialized in women. It's to do with women. And also I thought about what is the other next thing which is affecting Africa in a big way. Uh, in a big way. And for me, it's about migration of young people leaving their countries mm. to go and find work. So it's a two-pronged thing. is to empower women economically I believe that um, women um, are the center of, you know, if you feed a woman, she'll feed a child, she'll send them to school, she'll make sure that they've got mm. access to. Um, and women in general are just generally um, very enterprising. They will, you know, with the dollar, they will make it go far. <laughs> mm. And um, and they're the ones who, the, the, the one who manages the economics of the house anyway. And and uh, in Africa, some of the women don't have, you know, the, 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 their assets are, are, are tied up with their husband, their uncle, their brother. They don't have it in their own name. So it's very mm. difficult for mainstream banks to just give them money. So it was um, to give them money and with that money to offer them support. Because sometimes you actually don't need money. You need support. So the mentoring, 
the support, how to structure your things, how to make some of the women in Africa running quite informal businesses. So how can you make that formal so that you can have investors come in and how you can sell your, your goods abroad, not just locally. Uh, your, your, you can, the, you know, nowadays with the internet, the, um, the, the global market is no longer local. So all those kind of things to just uh, help them with their operations. At the same time, the enterprises should create jobs for young people. And we're concentrating on the 14-year, um, 17-year-olds to 40-year-olds who find themselves um, leaving their country because they're going to look for jobs. Africa is producing 3 million jobs a year. And wow. in terms of the market, um, seven to nine million young people are coming onto the job market. So wow. discrepancy. So the fund is really looking very, very clearly about uh, creating jobs. It's got to create jobs, and so that pe- people, families remain together. They don't have to go migrate to other countries and be separated from their families. Wow. Um... I I think that Africa has so, so much, number one, development going on and potential. And I think it's really going to be, um, you know, sort of like the next super hub because there's so much potential and value in there. And I'm really glad that you are the one taking the charge. Yeah. Nayesha, can you please tell us where people can learn more about you, learn more about the fund, maybe how they can get involved and, and where? I am on LinkedIn. <laughs> they can look mm. me up. Uh, I have got um, a few websites to do with my enterprises. Um, the World Impact Capital is the, the, the name of my fund. It, at the moment, it doesn't have a website, but it's coming up mm. soon. And... Um, I have got a personal website myself. People can contact me through that. Um, just my name, nyashagotiza.com. And um, yeah, I've, I, I've got my charity, which I'm working for at the moment. I'm in Holland. And uh, there's a lot of places people can contact me. Mm. Mm. Awesome. Well, I'll put that down below. Uh, Nyasha, the final thing here that I do for each guest is I have them leave the audience with some sort of a self-inquisitive message, or excuse me, a question. It, it could be, you know, why do you wake up in the morning and do what you do? But I'm curious, do you have any kind of question that you would want to ask the audience or have them ask themselves? I know that was very complicated, but... <laughs> no... I I I'll always um ask people um the same question really what is your purpose what do you feel your you know what is your calling um what what is your drivers what drives you what motivates you mm. um uh and um what impact do you want to have um on this planet earth um, and, uh, and you know, just want to encourage them that they can do it. 
it might look a bit too daunting, but they've they 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 can do it from they've got to be driven by their by their motivation, their purpose, what they feel passionately about. Mm. Mm. I love it. I love it. Nasha, you have been such a source of inspiration and wisdom and empowerment for uh, all of us here today. I highly recommend if you're listening to uh, take a look at Naisha's book, all of her content online. Uh, if you can help her out with her organization, definitely do so. Take a look, start a conversation. Uh, this woman is definitely going to be mentioned in um, you know, human history, mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds, and or if not thousands of years down the road. And uh, Nayasha, thank you so much for coming on the Humans 2.0 podcast. Thank you to everyone out there for listening. This has been your host, Mark Metry. Thank you. Damn, you made it till the end of the podcast. That's really rare in the age of digital distraction. This really means the world to me. I really hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to hop on over to my website, Mark Metry, or message me on social media. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. My name is Mark Metry, M-A-R-K-M-E-T-R-Y. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you learned in this episode and I'll be sure to get in touch with you. And if you really, really love the podcast, I'd highly appreciate it if you went on iTunes right now and left me a review. It helps way more than you know. Let's get this Humans 2.0 grassroots movement going. Woo! Get out there and do something impactful today.